This is USA Takedown. The best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. Uh, before we really kick this show off, I do want to dedicate this program to uh, a great friend of ours and a great friend to the sport of wrestling. Uh, G. Wyatt Schultz uh, died, uh, what, day before yesterday. He was the owner of The Predicament, an iconic publication with uh, uh, wrestling in Iowa be- being the beneficiary of his great work. Great photographer as well, a uh, member of the Iowa Wrestling Hall of Fame. And uh, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss that smile, that gray hair. Dude was everywhere, it seems. And uh, he was so highly uh, respected and, and very much loved. And uh, there's a, a ton of tributes out there on social media, as there should be. And it's all by uh, many of his friends and fellows in journalism. But Wyatt Schultz did it right. And uh, I'm so pleased that um, uh, we have an opportunity uh, to dedicate this program to him, to his memory, and to his family. So with that, welcome to the show, Wild Rose Casino Studios of USA Takedown. Welcome our Defense Soap guest, Neil Erisman. We had Braxton Amos scheduled for today, but um, I must have got wires crossed or whatever, but we have re- him rescheduled for the 24th. Great story there, Braxton going over to uh, uh, Russia and, and wrestling and winning uh, freestyle gold, right, at the Junior Worlds. And then also just saying, well, I'll go ahead and wrestle uh, Greco. And he wins bronze. So medals in two disciplines in in wrestling for the United States. Whoa, man, what a great kid. So we'll talk with Braxton Amos on the 24th, but we will have Corbin Menkon. He's a member of the uh, Campbell uh, Wrestling Contingent and team. Sammy Barber, the head coach of the Air Force Falcons, will be joining us. He just got back from overseas as well. Randy Couture is going to be joining us, talking a little bit about the PFL, the Pro Fighters League, and what they're doing that's outside of the cage or outside of the circle, as it were. Scotty Sentez, the head coach of the Campbell Camels, will be joining us as well, all on today's program. Oh, that's a lot. And this program is brought to you by Here.com. That's Here.com forward slash Casper. And we are live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. And uh, again, Scott Casper, Kira Jones with you today. And uh, we start the program with a great friend of ours, former uh, cowboy in his own right, uh, had a tremendous career wrestling at Oklahoma State, now making an impact on young lives, uh, doing it the right way. He's Neil Erisman. Neil, good morning. How are you? Good, Scott. How are you doing? Good. And, you know, I started the show off. I didn't want to do the intros and then dedicate it to uh, G. White Schultz, but um, I don't know how many times you got to read a predicament news, a newspaper or magazine, but that was uh, a paper or publication, I should say, that was done with love. And I think when you see people like that, it, it gives you heart in knowing that you are in the right place for the right reasons. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. You know, he's he, he did a lot for our sport, and you know, especially um, you know doing the predicament, but you know other things. And uh, we're very saddened to hear about him and um, his family is definitely in Little Rock's thoughts, but also our prayers as well. Mm-hmm. And Little Rock is. Um, you know they are impressive. What what a what a uh, institution! I think. What are you guys up to? Fifteen or sixteen intercollegiate athletic programs? Yes, we have fifteen, um, and uh, uh, 
you know, men and women's on most of our sports. So, yeah, we're doing a really great job. I love that. You know, that's uh, we just saw. And do you remember the university I was telling you about that's adding women's wrestling? What's it called? What's it called? The, oh. uh, can you say that again, Scott? Oh, I'm, I'm talking to my producer here because she's always interested in who's adding wrestling, but okay. another women's program. Was it West New England? Uh, <laughs> Western New England University? Yeah, I thought it was Eastern, but it was uh, uh, <laughs> Division Three. Western New England adds women's wrestling. 22-23 okay. <laughs> academic year. So wrestling continues to grow. It wasn't always like that, but I think when I think we saw a, a, a real tipping point when um, uh, your institution, Little Rock, uh, added wrestling. I, I believe that was when we started seeing a run, and uh, I, I'm feeling that wrestling is in a very healthy place and, and will only get better based on strength. But um, how is it for you at Little Rock? I know that uh, competition is changing daily. Uh, athletes are getting better younger and coming more prepared to, uh, you know, university level. But uh, even when you're at Chapel Hill, you were mentoring four ACC individual champs there and four NCAA All-Americans. I mean, how has wrestling changed for you in your eyes? I mean, it, you know, it's funny that you said that, Scott, about, you know, it seems like we're really starting to roll once Little Rock started. Um, that was one of the things that we saw and that we embraced was that we can be a great, you know, it's a great opportunity to be a great example for other programs to, um, you know, really do what we've done and to use us as a model. And so we, you know, that was, that was part of what we embraced when we started little rocket, you know, it was beyond, uh, you know, building great men and winning, um, you know, on the mat and in the classroom. Uh, we also saw ourselves as, as an example and an opportunity to help other schools like us see that, you know, this is a great benefit. You know, wrestling's a great benefit to your university. Um, we, you can bring, you know, a, a new, you, you can get your brand nationally. You can bring, right. you know, new revenue, new, new people to your university, and you can increase your, you know, your student uh, population, and you can get more people on campus. And I think the wrestling community embraced us so well. Uh, we, 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 we instantly went to the largest uh, social media account, you know, as soon as we were uh, announced as a brand new program. And that's because wrestling is such a strong community. Right. And so, and so for us, we really embrace that. And uh, to answer your question about how we're doing, man, we're doing good. We, uh, we just, uh, you know, we got, had our second season last year. Uh, we sent a guy to nationals, uh, had an academic all American. We won some duels uh, and we're on fire on the recruiting trail. So uh, <laughs> if you're asking, <laughs> You know, if you're asking me, you couple all that with just hiring a brand new coach, uh, Albert White. Uh, we are we're on fire, and we're and we're going in the right direction. Love me some Albert White, dude's outstanding. Hey, I gotta I, I gotta go back in your tenure when leaving Oklahoma State. You took the job as head coach at uh, Stillwater High School. How important was that in your development? Uh, as you see, looking back now, how important was that one year you spent there, one season at Stillwater High. I think that that was the most beneficial thing that I've done as a coach. Um, I would encourage everyone. I wish every. I wish it was a requirement to be a college coach that you had to coach high school for one or two years. Um, you learn how to wear a lot of hats, right? From from mopping mats to um, 
doing laundry to being the strength coach to being the academic counselor uh, to you know being the the ment- you know the mental coach the being the support uh, you just really learn how to wear a lot of hats and 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 manage a lot so um, I think that was the most beneficial thing that I've done to date as a coach you know when you think about it you had great uh uh, tutors all along the way. You were paying attention. Uh, you were, you know, being coached by one of the legends of the sport and John Smith. Uh, even as a grad assistant, after uh, being a wrestler for Oklahoma State, you were still learning and still learning. Do you still pick up that phone and call him once in a while? Absolutely. You know, that's what I love about our cowboy family is that, uh, you know, we all want to beat each other. We all want to stomp each other in the ground and wrestling each other, but <laughs> we're all a phone call away to, to help each other out. And um, I've absolutely leaned on Coach Smith and, and, and other Cowboys uh, along the way in this process uh, while starting Little Rock. I'm trying to remember whether or not you and Johnny Hendricks were on the same team at the same time. We were. We were. I was okay. a freshman his, his senior year, so uh, okay, right. a lot of time with Johnny. I I have been fortunate to spend quite a bit of time with him as well in his professional fighting career. But you know, watching him evolve and watching him grow, uh, I think it speaks well to the same thing that you uh, experienced, and that was a great foundation. Foundation creates a, a great opportunity to have an incredible career. And it wasn't always wins for you that mattered; it was how you played the game. There was never a question about whether you did something right. Of course you did. Maybe the other kid was better. Maybe, you know, the clock ran out. You you lose by one. It doesn't matter. You had an outstanding career. As a matter of fact, uh, what you did become a, uh, was a top recruiter. Has that translated well into uh, uh, Little Rock? I mean, believe me. And, folks, if you think starting a program is easy, it's not. And But to get those kids uh, and make sure that they are attracted to your institution and what your visions of that institution and its team looks like, it's it's uh, it's got to be based in that foundation. Agree or disagree? I absolutely agree. Um, if you're not building your house on rock, then mm-hmm. um, all you're doing is, is waiting for the storms to come and knock it down. So, um, you know, my foundation has absolutely um, – really helped me it's helped build who i want to be and who i don't want to be who i want our staff and our program to be um you know and and we really recruit to the things that we value that was one of the first things we did we said okay who are we uh what do we value and we're going to recruit to that and it's really paid dividends we just had a top 25 recruiting class um you know uh, with with our incoming uh, freshman class this year uh, and quite honestly, it probably would have been higher. We got a couple late, uh, really big pickups. But um, I think it's translated well. It's created a great, great, not just a message, but a a product that people really want to be a part of. And that's really what we've strived to create. There has to be, a, and you've got to be able to delineate a clear and concise message. This is my vision. This is how we're going to do it together. And uh, you have the support of your athletic directors and uh, and support staff as well. But that's so important because everybody truly is a part of the team. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, just to go back to my high school coaching days was that 
you know, number one, you recruit the hallways every single day to get kids <laughs> out for wrestling, right? And then number two, um, you know, we were we were really stinking good when I was there. We had a top ten program in the country, and you know, we I think we had six state champions that year. But it was also the kids. You needed all the kids that were there to be a part of the team that maybe just came out for wrestling or wrestled for a couple of years or, Hey, I'm just wrestling to wrestle in high school. So you learn the value of relationships and building relationships with those kids, because it's one thing to take a thoroughbred and let him do what he's born and bred to do. Right. But it's another thing to take a kid that is just there to be a part of it and happy to be learning wrestling and get him to the state tournament and maybe get him to place. And to me, that was unbelievable fulfilling and it, it really showed me um, why I coach. And it became a lot less about winning and losing and more about developing young men. Um, and, you know, we didn't have women there at the time, but developing young men and young women. In terms of recruiting, is it, uh, is it difficult to share uh, your experience as a recruiter? And one of the very best, by the way, um, is it difficult to share that with your uh, assistant coaches to help them become good recruiters? I mean, recruiting is a very important part of sports, not just wrestling, but sports in general. To be able to get the right kid that is not a poison to the locker room, a kid that wants to contribute, a kid that wants to learn, is really an open book, just right on these pages, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that... that when you're hiring an assistant coach, it's just like the recruiting process. Um, we, you know, we, we, we come out and say, hey, look, here's who we are. Here's what we stand for. Here's our goals. Here's what we expect you to be. And we're going to be who we're going to be. And you're going to conform to us. And, and, and we're not going to conform to you. Uh, we're going to help you be an individual and grow and know who you are. But you're going to jump in and be a part of this. So I think when you start with that message, whether you're hiring assistant coaches or whether you're uh, you know, recruiting student athletes that they know from day one where you stand and, and, and what the, what the plan is. And, um, they're on board with that. And it, as long as you can find people who want to be where you're at and who are excited about the recruiting process in general, that they, they look at it as a competition. They look at it as, Hey, if we win here, there's a high percentage chance that we win in there. And, um, you know, as far as coaches goes, we've got fantastic staff. we got Javier Maldonado, who <laughs> you know, he he wrestled at Tennessee Chattanooga when, when uh, Terry Brands was there, and then right. Bono and Jose and Sammy Henson and all those guys. Uh, started a brand-new NAIA program in Florida, Southeastern University. So he's not only brought a great, you know, recruiting background, but he's brought a lot of knowledge of what it's like to start from scratch. Right. Uh, and then we got Chandler Rogers, who was – I actually coached him at Stillwater High when I was there. Um, got a great relationship with him. He brings a great attitude and great character. And then we got Albert White, who we just hired a couple of days. I, we announced it yesterday. And um, him and I were teammates in college. He comes from great stock. He knows what it's like to be at the high school level. And I think the value that he's about to bring to our program is going to help us explode. Well, and that's what we're saying. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today. And by the way, I want to go back to something you uh, referenced earlier okay and that was you rec in in high school you truly have to be recruiting the hallways inviting kids to be a part of the process and be a part of the team uh that happened to one of your fellow cowboy teammates and randy couture it was my cousin 
uh, John Casper, who took uh, Randy or stopped him in the hallway, said, hey, Couture, he says, uh, you uh, show up today. You're going to wrestle. He says, okay, what's that? I mean, <laughs> and look, look, yeah. at all, look at all he accomplished because of, of uh, Coach Casper. I think that is uh, perhaps one of the gr- perfect examples of a kid not even understanding what it is or even understanding that it's available, but being invited to be a part of something. Uh, and, and he had trouble at home. And I mean, there's a whole lot of things that wrestling did for him, gave him a place to be, gave him somebody that, uh, he needed in his life to be able to answer to, to live up to the expectations are very high on high school athletes. And it really starts with a great coach. Now at the collegiate level, you expect your athletes to be self-motivated and responsible to the education at hand, but uh, you offer up a variety of different tools and able to, in order to help them, uh, and I appreciate that. It's not every institution that has that opportunity or ability to offer those, those uh, treasures, as it were, to these student-athletes, but uh, you seemingly have got it going on. You've, it's exceedingly strong staff. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it, and it's something that... Um, we wake up every single day and we, and, and we say, we're going to, you know, Hey, we're going to do these things to, to help these student athletes. And, um, we we're big believers that, uh, you know, you hear people say a lot of things about wrestling, like, you know, wrestling builds character and it builds these things. And, uh, I don't disagree with that, but more importantly, you know, we take the approach that that's a scene thing more than a, you know, than a thing that's taught through wrestling they they need to see us do it every day That's right. and see us live that way. And uh, it's more of a learned habit that way. And I got to believe you, your biggest support comes from Kelly, uh, your kids, uh, Duke, Oakley, Zane, and Whitley. I love yes, Whitley. Sir. Whitley. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Do, do you call Whitley Wit? We, we actually do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you know what? That's Whitley, another... Whitley's for when he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, you get great kids, but a beautiful wife as well. And that's where it really, truly does start, because that's where it ends. It starts and ends there. And it really started for us in DeSoto, Kansas, where you compiled a 150-5 prep record at DeSoto High. You were both a state and cadet national champion, earning your bachelor's degree in business from Oklahoma State. And look what you've done. Look what you've done for the sport that gave you so much. You're giving back every single day. And uh, I'll always be a fan, Neil. I hope you know that. Well, I appreciate it, Scott, and, you know, I can't take the credit. All I can say is God is good, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in. Before we run out of time, okay, and I know we're up against the clock, but, but because we're going to have an abbreviated second segment, I want you to speak on, uh, on behalf of Paul Bianchi. Would you do that? Absolutely. What a great young man. Uh, seemingly had an incredible season full of firsts for the Trojan program as as he's uh, laid the groundwork for the program. I love what he's done and how he's done it. How has it been for you? Man, you, you can't ask for, for a better human being to come and, you know, he, he gave up a lot of really great opportunities to come help build this. And uh, we're going to be forever grateful to him. Uh, you know, he was our first academic All-American, our first national qualifier, uh, you know, made the Pac-12 finals. Um won a lot of matches for us and you can't really say thank you enough to a guy like that who, um, you know, and you really put an ego aside to come to little rock 
in a guy in his position leaving North Dakota State um, and and to buy into what we're doing and say, I want to be a part of this. And, you know, he's going to stay around and he's going to help coach and he's going to help his younger two brothers. And um, I, I imagine that it won't be long before he's here uh, for a long time. So Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, we're excited. We're excited. <laughs> Oh, we got to dot the I's and cross the T's, okay? <laughs> right now we have the shell of the story, but I, I, I bet you anything you'll let me know when that takes place. Um, as an academic All-American, I want to read off the list of names of fellow wrestlers who are also academic All-Americans, uh, along with Paul. Uh, Anthony Valencia at Arizona State. Miles Amin, he'll be on next week, I believe. Miles Amin from Michigan. Shane Griffith. Uh, from Stanford, Zach Hartman from Bucknell, Nick Lee from Penn State, Hayden Hidley, <laughs> I always mess up his last name, from NC State, Mason Kaufman from Northern Illinois, and uh, just one of two student athletes from a Sunbelt institution to earn at large academic All-American honors, and is one of nine Pac-12 student athletes so honored. Uh, I, I really did not want this interview to, to transpire or to expire without at least mentioning the excellence that he brought with him and what you were able to pull from him and encourage him to accomplish. Well done coach. Well done indeed. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, Paul did the work and, um, he's, he's done the work and every step of the way. And we're just grateful that he set a, he's helped set a really strong foundation and a high bar for us. Amen, brother. Well, <laughs> the bar wasn't there before you got there. So good job out of you and your staff. Well done. We'll look forward to hearing the next big news. When it's uh, when it's time, Neil Erisman has been our guest. Little Rock Trojans, that's his uh, position as the head coach there, and he's doing it the absolute right way. Neil, have a great rest of your day. Best of the family, okay? Thank you, Scott. Talk to you later. There we go. God bless you. There's a fine young man, a great coach, and doing it, like I said, the right way. Hey, you're listening to the USA Takedown, brought to you by Here.com. Great hearing aids at incredible prices by Northwestern Mutual, by Wild Rose Casino and Resorts, by PBS Landscaping, by Mullet's Restaurant, HassleFreeMarketing.com, and by Mark Cody and his Presbyterian College Blue Hose Wrestling Program, by our friends at Defense Soap. You're listening to us only on Iowa Sports Station. This is 1350 ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. show it is usa takedown casper and jones sounds like we're some kind of a gang <laughs> bonnie and clyde you're listening at 1350 espn out of des moines iowa those of you listening across the country thank you so much you can find all of our previous shows on uh, usatakedown.com each and every week and it is absolute pleasure that we are able to bring you the um the news of the day as well as the great interviews we've been doing for all these many years. I do want to, uh, again, uh, reiterate, um, our, our thoughts and prayers for the family of G Wyatt Schultz. Uh, he passed away, I think it was Saturday and, um, last week. And I, I do it, you know, it's, it's when you have somebody like that, that gives so much and receives so little of what you might believe would be a very small thing, but what he got out of it was 
him giving. In other words, he got more because he gave so much. And uh, I'm just so pleased that uh, uh, the wrestling community is standing up, taking notice, and offering the tributes that it is. Uh, you can find more information about G. White Schultz at USA Wrestling's website, teamusa.org. Uh, congratulations to Jamil Kelly, a good friend of this program over the many years. Olympic silver medalist Jamil Kelly has been named the head coach of the Tar Heel Wrestling Club. How about that? I mean, <laughs> he helped coach Olympic trials finalists like Jordan Oliver, yeah, Macy Kilty, and many others. Jamil Kelly rising again, continuing to lead the way, and so is the Tar Heel Wrestling Club doing good things for our Olympic-bound athletes, and uh, we are so proud of him. Hey, the uh, Brian Keck Memorial Preseason Nationals is coming up October 29th and 31st. Registration is now open for this uh, historic event, uh, and Brian Keck really nailed it when he said, hey, let's do it at the Unidome in Cedar Falls. The biggest problem you have in Cedar Falls is hotel rooms and availability of those rooms. <laughs> I mean, you've been... <laughs> Thankfully, I worked for Brian announcing this event many years, and he had some pull with hotels. But, uh, you know, that's thousands of kids, thousands, and their families, and their coaches. So the whole town, if, if you think about, you know, after the event, on any certain day during the event, think you're going to go out and get a meal, you best have some <laughs> reservations or somebody <laughs> holding the table for you. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's dangerous ground when you have that many kids. It's kind of like going to Fargo. Okay. Yeah. Fargo National. So anyway, that's coming up uh, again, October 29th through the 31st. Uh, and I'm, I'm very pleased to tell you that uh, uh, you're going to be uh, receiving a flash sale opportunity where you can save money, be among the first hundred who get a free t-shirt as well. And we are nothing without our free t-shirts. This sport gives t-shirts on the drop of a hat more than rock and roll groups do on the road. It's amazing. By the way, you went to Five Finger Death Punch, right? I did. Okay. I did. Were there t-shirts on sale for them? I got to believe there was. Yeah. There was like a little, um, I don't know what you call it, like a merch, merch, merch stand. Merch stand, yeah. Like a couple. So there were like these two, it was at the state fair, right? So yep. there were these two food booths, one with like lemonade and another one with corn like, dogs or whatever. Yeah. And then they had to set up after them. <laughs> so they were like a good hundred or so feet away from the grandstand. But oh, well. they were there. Well, um, we did the Doobie Brothers and those concert t-shirts for the Doobies. Beautiful shirts. Well done. Well done. But they were like 50 bucks. Nope. No thanks. <laughs> so I was not a customer. I'm, <laughs> I'm all right. All right, the Olympic uh, commemorative issue of Win Magazine is out. Uh, don't forget, USA Wrestling members get subscription discounts, and so many thousands of you are subscribing to the uh, great wrestling news magazine that is Win Magazine. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Michael Chapman, he's been on the show, you've hosted, and Mike Chapman was the founder. He and Bev were the founders of Win Magazine. And then it was it was sold to the Van Clay family. And there's a great article on this one. It's called Paying the Price for Gold. At what cost is a gold medal? And does it really shine? Well, no, it's not real gold. But does it really shine and continue to shine? I suppose if you're somebody like Ed Bannock who takes it with him wherever he goes on the off chance that a kid might want to see it and be inspired by what Ed did or what his brother Lou did, 
you know, winning Olympic gold, there's a, there's so much more to the backstory, uh, of winning Olympic gold than, uh, and, and you remember Tamira Mensa stock, mm -hmm. that joy that she is putting out there. Well, it was evidenced oh at gosh. a WWE event with Gable Stevenson. Well, hopefully we'll have Gable scheduled for you the next week or the week after, but both of them have been extended offers with multimillion dollar signing bonuses. Okay. To be paid out over a number of years. But uh, Vince McMahon is embracing amateur wrestling like nobody's business, and it continues to get stronger and stronger. Gable did such a wonderful job, as did uh, Tamira, in presenting U.S. wrestling and wearing the flag proudly, mm -hmm. unlike some sports. Uh, I would suggest that um, Vince McMahon may be figuring it out that wrestlers from the amateur side may be some of the best athletes, best prepared, less injured, and they come on and put on great shows. They have to be trained, of course, but at the same time, he's willing to put that investment in them and they get to pay out mm -hmm. on the other side. So congratulations to those two. I I would honestly, and this is on the record, Yeah, I would kill to have Tamira on the show again. You loved her, didn't you? She was great. She wants to come back on the show. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Jakara Winchester's coming on the show later in the month. Uh, and I'd say later in the month of September. Mm -hmm. But the women out there are absolutely the greatest blessing this sport has ever received. Mm -hmm. Okay, take away all the gold medals, all the silvers, all the bronzes. What we're seeing is not just a team uh, aspect, but it's a family, as evidenced by Kennedy Blades winning gold as the U.S. claimed women's freestyle team title at the Junior Worlds. They defeated Russia and India two powerhouse programs uh, and countries in terms of women's wrestling. Kennedy Blades led the way with that gold medal, sealing the deal. And that is a tremendous name. You and I were talking off air about names. Of oh, wrestling. my gosh. Okay. As somebody whose name is three syllables long, four with the middle <laughs> name, and my last name is Jones, which is, like, I think the third most common surname in America other than, like, Johnson. Um, right. I would bend over backwards to have a name like Kennedy Blades. Right. Or Tamira. Or Tamira. Right. Tamira Mensa Stock. And there's actually another name that goes on the end of that. Really? Uh, yeah. I just, oh my I, gosh. I, it's not coming to my mind right now, but she does want to come back on the story show. And I think it's because of your ability to go one-on-one -on, -one on anime. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was, that was so fun. And afterwards I felt really bad. Um, because like she wanted to chat more, but I was like, I got to call her next guest. I can't, I would love to sit and have a 20 minute conversation with you about the best anime, but I have to call her next guest. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. So great, you remind me and I'll get her booked in September uh, and talk about what's next. Okay. I also want to talk about what the conversations were behind the scenes with the WWE yeah. Because it really, truly was a one-two punch with Gable and Tamira. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I own it. For for a long time, there wasn't a pronouncer out on her name. So I was calling her Tamira because T, <laughs> how her name is presented, mm -hmm. looks very different from Tamira. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, I'll, I'll work to get that done. Please do remind me. <laughs> uh, Braxton Amos, we've got him scheduled for the 24th, uh, making his way up to... Uh, Wisconsin out to wrestle for uh, Coach Chris Bono and John Reeder. Well, Reeder traveled with him to Russia, and uh, the kid didn't do uh, 
well. He did great. And here's what he did. He won freestyle gold at the Junior Worlds, okay? Freestyle uh, gold at the Junior Worlds. And then he said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and try it. He says, I want to try Greco. He powers through. This kid has got a really different shape physically. And it's perfect if you think about it for Greco. Because if you've got a big, powerful lower half of your body, unlike, say, Brock Lesnar, powerful top half of his body, not so much lower. Didn't tra- Brock Lesnar, as good as he is, did not translate into a good football player, like Stephen Neal, for example, with the New England Patriots. He was not a, um, uh, he didn't have that lateral movement that one would think. You know, when Brock wrestled collegiately, he was relying on brute strength. In wrestling, there's in the, there's so much more to it. In football, you have to be able to hold the line. And so uh, Bill, Bill Belichick said to Stephen Neal, who had never played a down in college football, he said, if you want to be a part of this team, you need to add 30 pounds below the waist. Well, how do you do that? You go to a nutritionist that is hired by the team, and they give you the right foods with the right ingredients to make sure you do put on weight where needed. And he didn't become fat. Dude became even bigger. He was able to throw Brock Lesnar around like a little rag doll mm-hmm. at the Nationals. I tell you what, that guy can get it done. I have so much respect for, for Stephen Neal. Played uh, 13 years in the NFL. Got several rings to prove it uh, with New England. And uh, I, I just have the greatest amount of respect for him. Don't take him out for drinks and suggest that you're going to pay the bill. Because <laughs> between him and Jer- Jeremy Stevens in San Diego, it cost me probably 500 bucks. For dinner and drinks with those guys. What? Yeah. On earth? Are I think you they drinking? were racing. I think they were racing. I think they were competing to see who could put more cocktails down. <laughs> those but, had better have been some huge, colorful right? cocktails with like the oh, theater know. of the glass on fire <laughs> with the like the rainbow shots that they give you at Pride. It better have been like that. I, like, don't, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. Jello shots I know about. For for $500, that better have been like the best cocktail they had ever had. One dinner in Las Vegas with uh, Joe Warren and a few of our friends uh, at a at a hotel I didn't know existed and at a restaurant that I did know existed. They had that Kobe beef. Oh. And guess what Joe Warren ordered? Because I was Kobe paying. Beef. Kobe beef. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you pay by the ounce in that. In that. Have you ever seen, like, a raw Kobe steak? I'm, yeah. I'm, like, a food Is that nerd. what it's called? Kobe? Yeah, yeah Kobe. Because okay. uh, it comes from, I think it's a certain region in Japan or a certain breed of cow. Yeah, uh, It could be it either It could one. be a combination of both. But, yeah, it's called Kobe, Kobe beef. And if you've never seen it, it's incredible. Yeah, like, beautiful. An actual Kobe steak. It's they call it marbling right um but like the fat is just so beautifully dispersed in the steak mm-hmm. and that's what gives it its awesome flavor one of the last things my father gave us kids was a cow so i got a quarter of a cow and let me tell you what the difference the, there's only 12 cows raised by this this uh, gentleman in stewart iowa he's a great friend of my father but uh, he, he bought that before he died and it was distributed to us several months after my father died and that meat you can tell it's not just range-fed, uh, grass-fed beef. This, there's a whole lot of corn involved and uh, even some oats, believe it or not. So uh, we are eating high on the cow, not high on the hog. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, well done by uh, developmental coach Jessica Medina. Uh, she has an interesting take on the 2021 Junior Worlds. You can find that at uh, themat.com. 
Uh, I would think that anybody interested in wrestling would be interested to know that wrestling continues to grow. Women's wrestling will be added to the athletic offering at Western New England University. That's Division Three program. And uh, we are so looking forward to wrestling. I think that puts us up to 92 new programs since we really started the rush. 92. Women's programs? Yeah. Whoa. Think about that. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. at all levels. So, you know, the, the NCAA better stop slow rolling this this uh, intense desire by the wrestling community. There are two Division One programs, a bunch of Division Two, a bunch of Division Three, and even, even a few JUCOs. But uh, we're, we're seeing wrestling at a very, very uh, good place. History in the making. All right, we've got to take a quick time out. Our next guest is waiting in the wings even as we speak. You're listening to the USA Takedown on Iowa Sports Leader. This is ESPN. Stay tuned. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. All right, welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown, Casper and Jones on this Friday morning. Gosh, I am so glad you are joining us today. Uh, our next guest has been a part of more championship teams than most wrestlers, uh, winning four team state titles and two Southern Conference team titles in the past seven years is an incredible feat. But Corbin Mink also holds the individual distinction of becoming a four-time state champ, two-time SOCON champ, and the SOCON is only getting harder. It's only getting harder. Whether in high school or college, he has been dominating on the mat for quite some time. From Omaha to Boys Creek, that's his biography in a nutshell. He joins us now. Does this five foot six, hundred and twenty five pound junior? Corbin, good morning. How are you, bud? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so pleased that you uh, had the opportunity. I know you've got class at what, 11? Uh, 12. 12, okay. So about an hour. Okay, well, then we're going to slow roll your interview. We're just going to talk slowly. No, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> All right, so uh, making the decision uh, uh, as a high school wrestler to not go to any program, and you were afforded many different opportunities to go to various programs, but you chose Boys Creek. What, what was it about uh, becoming a Campbell Camel uh, that was uh, intriguing to you. Um, I think I think the biggest thing was that uh, they had uh, Coach Cole out at the time, and and Scotty would be like my position coach. Um, I went to their prospect camp, and they uh, uh, they 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 really showed that they wanted they wanted me. Right, mm -hmm. uh, the other schools just like kind of offered and would talk to me, but Campbell Campbell they they were on the pursuit for me and uh, it really made me feel wanted. Um, and I just knew that Scotty, Scotty was really good. I knew that he would be, me and him could become really good friends and we did. Uh, and great guy. Did, the, the, yeah. Their styles, their styles just match matched up with how my wrestling is. And I just knew I'd, uh, improve my wrestling from, being the uh the high schooler to the college athlete i am now you know you think about cole at a uh, pretty darn good recruiter and if you think of his collegiate uh and acclaim when at Lockhaven, he just did such a remarkable job and then he put campbell on the map really raising the bar raising awareness and making it a successful program we look at what he's doing now at navy navy all of a sudden is in the hunt for being a top 10 team, dare I say maybe a top five team 
Never would I have ever said that in the last 20 years, 25 years of a, uh, uh, a military institution like the Naval Academy. Uh, so, yeah, I think wherever he goes, there's there's brilliance that he brings with him. I don't know that anybody understands the game better than than Kerry uh, Colat. Yeah, I mean, Colat, he he has a he has a really good wrestling philosophy. Right. And and with uh, with how he presents himself as like this intimidating guy, it, it can be <laughs> can be really scary to to even join a team like that. Right. But once you once you get to know Coach Colat, he he's he's an awesome dude. He's he's very. It's crazy to say he's pretty he's pretty down to earth with you once you once you prove that you're worthy, right? And uh, he really wants you to become the best wrestler that you can possibly be. Um, and a lot of that and a lot of that comes with respect, right? We respect him. Uh, he respects us. Uh, he knows that we want want to do this grind and. Uh, and with him in the room, it was awesome. But now with uh, Coach Scotty Sentez as our head coach, we're, we're keeping that same philosophy, and um, everyone everyone is moving uh, in the same direction on this team. And uh, we have our new saying this year: it's uh, uh, "Flow with us or drown," right? Because we're from Dewey's <laughs> Creek. Uh, so if, if you can't flow with us, you're just going to drown. <laughs> Oh man, um, I've, you got to. Will you do me a favor and tell tell him what time he's on? Your coach is uh, <laughs> is texting me. I think he's, I think he forgets that there's East Coast time and Central time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, he 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 went to school up in Michigan, but uh, I think he forgot too because there's sometimes when he'll call me at eight o'clock here, or seven o'clock when I'm back home in Omaha, and I'm like. <laughs> Coach, it is early right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people like Scotty have such a a high, uh, you know, aptitude. In other words, they're constantly going. You're either on or you're off. Yeah. Okay. Scotty Sentes uh, is your coach, but I want to go back. I want to take a look. I mean, there's a lot of pride for those that went to um, uh, high school in Nebraska. We're seeing. Uh, Nebraska is as a state rising in prowess over the last decade or so, churning out great wrestlers able to compete on the national stage. You were one of them, but you went to school at Omaha Scott Catholic High School, which is historic in its own right. I believe there's actually a book about Scott that uh, uh, Craig Sesker wrote. But I yep. would I will say this: that there's another cat who wrestled at Omaha Scott Catholic High School um, that. Uh, perhaps may have energized you in the sport. Do you know who I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, he, he was, he's all right. I mean, oh, he, Thomas, he, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thomas, he, uh, uh, Thomas Gilman, he, he, he will, we were never on the same, uh, team. Um, I believe he was a senior when I was an eighth grader. Uh, so I, I got to go into the room, um, unofficially when Thomas was in there and got to roll around with him a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, he's come back uh, a couple times to wrestle when I was in high school, and that's awesome. We actually went out to Iowa for a, for a team camp, and he was like our counselor. Oh wow! So I got to I got to pick his brain a little bit then. Um, yeah, I've got some stories. I don't know. <laughs> he, he's 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 actually a really nice dude. Uh, but, but like with Colot, he's just intense in that room, right, you know. Right. And uh, everyone, every wrestler, every good wrestler has that intensity. But then off the mat. 
you've got to be that good person, and that's exactly what Thomas is. Well, you know, I watched Thomas coaching at an event. Um, I was announcing at Carver Hawkeye, and <laughs> dude was he was motivated, yeah, <laughs> to, to say the <laughs> least. Loud, motivated, in position. The Brands brothers were just doing nothing but watching him because yeah. I think they're enjoying seeing him come out of his shell just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> anyway, congratulations on an outstanding high school record with 165 and 10 uh, being the mark you posted. That's impressive to say the least. But you started out with a bang your freshman year, bonusing your way to the NSAA Wrestling Championships and won your first state title 106 pounds. Where was where did that come from? Because you don't just bound out on the mat and go, yeah, I'm going to win this one. It has to come from somewhere. You have to have great training, but you have to have an inspiration. Who was that? Uh, my inspiration around that time uh, was a guy from uh, New York. Uh, his name is Gene Mills. Oh, gee. oh man. Yep, and uh, and so is. I, I've been there probably three or four times out there working with him. He, uh, he always run a camp up in uh, Forksville, Pennsylvania yep. called Pin to Win. And that camp, that camp is what really started changing how I wrestled. It became really like, I was, I was always kind of good on the feet. That camp made me so much better on the mat game. Right. right. Because Gene's just so good at top and he, uh, he 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 started he started my process of getting those bonus points right and um, you can only do so much take down cut them before before uh, <laughs> uh, before you need to start writing someone out and really really <laughs> starting to uh, expand that gap in points. Um, Taking someone but, down, you get two. Cutting right. them, they get one. I don't believe yeah. if if you cut somebody, I don't believe that person deserves one. Right. You follow right. me? If you yeah, take somebody exactly. down, it should be three if you're yeah, giving away one. That so would you, be more you, fair. You want to you wanna, you wanna major someone, yeah. right? You're going to have to take them down so many times. I think it's like nine times before you can even get your major. Right. After that, it's because you only, you're only really getting one point takedowns at that point. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what's funny is, uh, since I went to those Gene Mills camps, um, me me and Gene started creating a, a good relationship. He actually came out to Omaha uh, one time to do a camp in Nebraska, and he stayed with us, and cool. that was awesome. That was like it, he like he became an idol. He who was an idol of mine when I first started uh, really learning how. Well, it was a half Nelson series. Um, and then he he became like my coach, and that that was that was crazy to me. And he's actually the one that kind of pointed me in the right direction of uh, Campbell. And he's like, you should check out Campbell. Like they're really they're they've got something they got something going. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go sign up for this prospect camp. And and that just it was just a snowball from there. You mentioned Gene. He's been a great friend to me and this show over these many years of doing the program, um, inspiring. You look at what he could have accomplished if Syracuse, where he wrestled, could have and would have continued to offer wrestling. You know, his career was uh, abbreviated because of what Syracuse Athletics did to the sport. But I'll have always ultimate respect for him as a coach, a competitor, a father, 
uh, and, and an honest to God man that is highly respected by the sport in, in which he serves. Uh, it's a great guy to pick up on dude. And it, it took you from Nebraska to go to upstate New York in the East coast yeah. to find yeah. Eugene Mills. I love yeah. that. All right. Um, so how I don't know how much time I've, I've kind of lost track of time. How much time do we have left? Okay, good. I don't want, Oh, great. Okay. So earning four titles, I want, I want to talk about earning your four titles at, at, at the, uh, high school level, right? Uh, you did so by, uh, six falls, five majors at the state tournament. That's dominance. Uh, people then start to fear the opportunity to wrestle you. It's not that they're fearful. It's that they, they don't want, they don't want to lose. You know, Gable always said, good news, you're wrestling today. Bad news, you got the Russian. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's that way. Bad news, you got Corbin. <laughs> you're, yeah, I mean. Are, I mean are, I, where are you at on weight right now? Uh, right now, I actually am um, looking to start certifying. So I'm sitting around 36, 37 right now. And you look to certify what? 25. 20, wow. Now, can you float that weight pretty easily? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I I I'd like to say that I'm pretty good with my uh, weight management. Um, I I I I stick pretty strict to my diet, considering that in the off season my natural weight is about forty three ish. Um. So. Well, you so, yeah, carry I, it well. I I gotta tell you, you carry it well, and Sentez is super proud of you. Uh, when committing to Campbell, you felt that it was a great fit not only in wrestling, but also academics. What is it you're going for? Uh, so I am actually double majoring in infotech and security and cybersecurity, which is basically the same thing, but Campbell offers it as two different majors. Wow. And so, yeah, and so I've always kind of been an IT guy. Like my dad and my mom are pretty IT as well. Um, and the fact that they had a cybersecurity, which is relatively new right. uh not a whole lot of colleges have it only a select few and the fact that campbell fits my wrestling and my academics it was it was pretty much a no-brainer at that point now at the um, time of being recruited did did campbell say hey we've got these programs that you're interested in or did you stumble across that saying oh wait a minute they've got something i'm very interested in yeah so i i knew i wanted i knew they had like uh computer science they have they don't have actual computer science but they had classes in, in the field of information technology and uh and i saw that there was uh, information technology security i was like hmm i don't really know what that is sounds interesting <laughs> and my dad's like uh yeah that's basically like you stop hackers or right. you become a hacker to stop hackers and i was like that's awesome i'm doing that wasn't that the, what they say the best uh, technology assets are former hackers or continuing to hack? And why are you saying yes so quickly, um, Jones? <laughs> I knew I knew a guy who actually does that for a living. Really? And while everyone was working from home, his whole job was to actually come up with programs that would cause an information security breach like the ones you hear about on the news. Sure, the big ones, yeah. So he knows how they work, so he knows better how to stop them. So putting up some kind of a fence, a wall, a, a, a gate, if you will, a guard, 
Uh, well, Corbin, it sounds like you're well-suited and Campbell is well-suited to you. You went straight to work on the mat, transitioning from high school to college. How was that transition for you? Oh, man. So I, I came in I, I came in pretty early. Uh, I graduated. I, I walked in high school. And three days later, I was out <laughs> at Campbell uh, wrestling. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, man, that, that first, what was it, two months in the summer, I just got beat up. I was like, man, I am, I am not as good as I thought, <laughs> but I just kept working. Um, me and Josh Heil, actually, we would come in every once in a while late at night and he would, he would kind of work with me. And that was, that was awesome. And, uh, I just, was like, I just picked brains. I was just asking questions, trying to be like, what, what, what did I do wrong there? Like you just completely like got in so easy on that shot. Like, how do I, how do I stop you? And people are telling me like your movement's a little stagnant. Right. And so I worked a lot of my movement, a lot of my positioning, head position, uh, hand fighting was a big thing because in high school you can kind of just shoot <laughs> and get to a leg in college you're, you're gonna have to hand fight and really move a guy before you can start opening up your shots yep. and uh, so that was like the big transition was on the feet hand fighting hand fighting um the, the, the crazy thing was that on the mat i felt that i was ahead as a freshman and uh a lot of the freshmen nowadays, like they, no one knows how to get out from bottom in college when they come from high school. Uh, and I felt like I, I was, I was pretty good. Um, I wrestled around with Scotty, and well, Scotty, he's really good at top, and so <laughs> I didn't want to get beat up by his his double boots <laughs> and cross faces all the time. So I, I really figured that out right away. Right uh, How to get on bottom from that. You know, I was I was paying attention. By the way, I was paying attention when you beat Zeke Moisey of Nebraska. Okay, I was paying attention when you beat uh, Gabe Townsville of Stanford. I was paying attention because what I was witnessing was a kid that was driven. You got one more year, and we've got about a minute, minute and a half. You got one more year uh, to live out that college dream, right? What's beyond college? Uh, beyond college right now, um, I'm not sure how how much wrestling. Me, I I want to kind of get into coaching. Uh, like I I every time I go back home, I'm always uh, helping out high schools coming in, doing all I can to just kind of elevate this Nebraska wrestling. Right, it's 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 getting so much better since I was in high school, and now that I can kind of trickle down some D1 D1. Uh, mentality into these Nebraska high school. I want, I want high school or Nebraska wrestling to be top tier. And, uh, club coaches, like my little brother, he's still in club coach. I, I go and help his club out too. And Fun. they're, they're becoming really dominant in the, uh, in the club scene of Nebraska. Um, so right now I'm really just looking for, uh, just to kind of coach and uh, of uh, course get into I didn't use my majors and stuff. I'm so glad you took the opportunity to join us on the program. I'm grateful that you've got a year of eligibility left. I look forward to watching you compete, looking for your third SOCON title and a chance at All-American status as well. God bless you, my young friend. Best to Scotty Sentis. He's on next hour, but I tell you what, you've, you're surrounded by good people, and it shows. God bless yes. you. Thanks for taking the opportunity. Thank you for having me. There we go. Corbin Mank. 
Campbell Camels. I, I got to believe he's up for a Cami Award, wouldn't you? Think so? I would think so. All right, stay tuned. Hour number two is coming around the corner. You're listening to USA Takedown on ESPN. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short timeout. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the big program, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, and all those ships at sea. It is USA Takedown, America's favorite wrestling radio program. And I'll tell you what, you can listen to the podcast version of this, courtesy of Kira Jones. Look for it online at usatakedown.com or Stitcher or Sprecher or uh, iTunes, iHeart, etc. And we uh, are, are grateful to bring the opportunity to tell the story of this sport. One of the things we've been noticing... Um, as we come to you live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios, forgot that part. Uh, one of the things we've been noticing is the rise of the military academies. What's going on at Army? What's going on at Navy? But indeed, what's going on at Air Force? Dateline UFA Russia, following a loss in the semifinals of the 2021 UWW Junior World Championships, the sophomore from the United States Air Force Academy, Wyatt Hendrickson, still had the opportunity to take home the bronze medal at the event. He was matched up against a wily Russian and Andrei Betsyev in, in his final match at 125 kilos in the freestyle tournament. Hendricks jumped out to an initial 3-0 lead, and here to help tell that story, because he was there as well, is the head coach of the Air Force Academy, Sam Barber. Sam, how are you? Good, Scott. How are you doing? Good. Good to hear your voice. And uh, you and I began talking uh, before you went to Russia, and I wanted to have you on as soon as you got back. And it would have been that same day, as a matter of fact. Uh, that's a long trip. And to be acclimated back into state time or United States time, and in, for you, mountain time out there in Colorado Springs, uh, how has it been recovering from that trip? It, we're not getting any younger. No, no. It, it definitely <laughs> takes an adjustment. You know, we were 12 hours ahead when we were there. And, um, about the time we felt like we got acclimated when we were there, it was time to come home. And, and then uh, it took a few days when we got back here. But, you know, it's... Things at the Air Force Academy don't slow down uh, very much. As soon as we hit the ground, we had five recruits in for the weekend, and Wyatt Hendrickson was at class at 8 o'clock in the morning when wow. we got back. So it's, uh, you know, duty calls, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah, especially at the academies. You bet duty calls. All right, so I want to talk to where I jumped out of the story. It said Hendrickson jumped out to an initial 3-0 lead. Take us from that point, because it was then he was scored on – with seven unanswered points. Talk to us about the bout. Well, I think, you know, why it is, you know, some of the times, some of your greatest attributes are sometimes some of your, some of your weaknesses where you got to improve. And that's the case with Wyatt is he's just a really aggressive, um, hardworking um, guy that likes to take a lot of attacks. And so he doesn't set on leads and, uh, and yeah, that part of it um, would have probably won him at those matches. If he would have sat on those leads a little bit and made that guy come to him, but, that's just not how he wrestles. He goes out and he tries to score points. He tries to make things happen. And he took a couple shots and, and they actually, the Russian scored on his attacks, uh, you know, three of his attacks. So two of them, you know, were, were attacks where he was just trying to extend his lead. And, and, you know, the last one was one where he, at that point he was behind and trying to catch up. So, you know, that part, you know, we love about Wyatt. He's, he definitely, again, like he doesn't know anything, but, 
go hard for you know six to seven minutes, and um, and he'll let he'll let the chips fall where they may, and we're, and he understands that I think sure. in conversation of like hey like it's I love that about you, but we gotta we gotta be a little bit better tactically and strategically in these matches, um, you know, so we don't leave the, so we don't kind of give them away, right? Right. So, but um, you know, it was a great experience for him. Um, There's a lot of good things that came out of it. You know, particularly just a summer of training with a purpose. Uh, you know, we had a lot of good things. We went to a training camp in Missouri. Got to work with some great guys. Got to be around some good coaches. And and then anytime you get to compete for a world championship and uh, get to experience that environment and wrestle at that level and be around other guys that are pursuing those types of goals. It's pretty incredible. And when at Missouri, were you able to spend some time with Brian Smith? Well, for me personally, I'll tell you the best part, one of the, well, not the best part. The best part was hanging out with Wyatt and, and uh, competing in the world championships. But one of the best parts of the trip for me was the professional development of hanging out with six to seven other head coaches at Division One institutions. So, cool. you know, I got to spend time with Brian Smith and Chris Bono and John Reeder and Angel Escobedo. Uh, my roommate for the week was Cody Sanderson. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like really, um, really got to uh, grow and learn from those guys. And uh, that it was a really good group of people that was kind of um, unguarded and sharing yeah. best practices in their programs and, and just wanting to see the sport of wrestling grow. So that's exciting, you know, to hear that, right? That you got coaches working together to grow right. wrestling. And uh, uh, that was really, that was a really cool part of the trip for me. You know, it's uh... Hendrickson comes out of Kansas, right? And, yep. and Kansas has not been uh, known for its uh, uh, constant uh, stellar performances on the national stage, but we're starting to see a, it's almost like this new wave of wrestling. It's a new era. I think Mike Moyer from the NWCA has said it best. It is a new era. It's the dawning of a new age. And we're seeing it in the great coaches such as yourself, but in your estimation, you're able to see that which many, because you've been there, done that, that most people, uh, it goes by them completely. I want, I'm going to put your words into our listeners' ears. Um, I'm proud of the way Wyatt competed with pride, poise, fight, and grit. Those are your words. I mean, that's, you don't always hear coaches speak of their athletes that way. Because sometimes they they may be, uh, you know, playing the tough guy, you know, the, the bad cop. <laughs> but in this case, you were dead on. I mean, talk about representing the academy at distinction and honor, and what an honor it is to be able to do both. Go, to, you know, attend the academy, which is by invitation, right? But to be able to wrestle for the academy and wrestle for the United States of America, what what an honor! Uh, we we heard that. And saw that as evidenced by the performance of Tamira Mensah Stock, uh, by by uh, Gable Stevenson. I mean, we're we're looking at at a, a a very prepared group of young people where they're they're entering into the collegiate life so much better prepared athletically and even academically. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. I think we're in the golden age a little bit here. Yeah, you know, you know, they have wrestling. It's just like. These young men and women are coming out of high school and into colleges so much better prepared, uh, you know, no doubt, um, athletically. I think the club systems and the RTCs, right, you know, we have full-time clubs with, you know, incredible coaches at them. And, and so these guys at a young age are in this club system with national champions, Olympic medalists, you know, um, you know, you name it, like the pinnacles of the world in Minnesota and young guns in, in Pennsylvania, right? These 
those clubs have been transformational in it. And then they're going from those clubs into regional training centers where they're working out with, you know, college guys and college coaches and um, an EAP program here at the Olympic Training Center with Coach Jackson where a lot of those young men are there. I mean, we've had guys like Aaron Brooks has been in that program and been in our room and Kirk Levick has been in that program and been in our room around guys. So I think the opportunities for pursuing excellence and growth in the sport of wrestling is incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the support that they're getting, uh, you know, academically and the expectations that we have of these young men as far as being people of character and integrity is pretty good too. I think the sport of wrestling's, um, you know, really in a good spot right now from that, from that stance. You know, I have a hard time not being a nationalist, okay? I have a hard time rooting for any other country other than the United States of America, okay? With what's going on in Afghanistan, et cetera. The Russians have always been the uh, uh, the Achilles heel uh, for the United States and for many other countries as well. Were you at any time fearful of going into Russia and having some of that negative uh, passion rub off on you and your athletes. I mean, Russia, there's a whole, I've been to Moscow. Okay. I've been to Berlin. I've been to a lot of different places that, that allowed me to see how the other half lives. But in this case, I think, you know, you, you allowed Wyatt the opportunity to experience the true passion that the Russians have for their national sport. Would you say that's true? Yeah. You know, I think first we got to, you know, I'd say I'd praise and thank our, our superintendent, you know, General Clark, three-star general of the Air Force Academy. He's our superintendent right now and our athletic director and Nate Pine and leaning into the risk. It wasn't a guarantee that when we found out the world championships in Russia, that they were going to allow an active duty member of our military to go. Right. Yeah. And there's some people that weren't in favor of us being there just from the optics of it. Why specifically? Um, but I think that part of it, when it's, uh, you know, the diplomacy of sport and they have been to a lot of these events and I've been places where, you know, politically maybe we're at odds with uh, our two governments, but the, the diplomacy of sports has always been kind of like, it's never let politics or, you know, whatever's going on between our nations right. um, be part of that. So, you know, most of the time, and this was, this was the same is that, you know, and it's not that we interacted with the Russians a whole lot, but it wasn't like people were coming up us either to you know share their opinion uh, about you know about our politics or you know our military that type of thing right so it was kind of it was just like we were there we were competed when Wyatt wrestled the Iranian um, they got up they shook hands right and um, there was a mutual respect between two warriors and uh, and we went to our corners and the same thing happened with the Russian right so you know that part to me is was you know not something that wasn't noticed right. There was no, there was no animosity. It was just two athletes, two warriors out there doing what they love to there do, competing their hardest. And when it was done, they shook, they shook hands, and there was an obvious mutual respect because they were hard-fought matches, and it was over. And um, yeah, we're, and we're close to it here, right? And right. Uh, I'm around um, incredible people every day that have spent time in Afghanistan, and it's a very sensitive time right now at the Air Force Academy. And um, you know, there's obviously things going on between our militaries and our governments with with uh with russia and stuff like that so you know i'm definitely attuned to where that's at and sensitive to that and um was a little bit you know just kind of wondered what that was going to be like for us being there and and you know uh you you talk about the politics the optics of having a uh, active duty military of the united states going into russia um but we have to set that aside we did it in iran and if you recall when jordan burroughs entered the uh, the arena 
The Iranians stood up and gave him such a standing ovation. Gifts were bestowed upon him for what he's done in the sport. And for a lot of folks, they don't realize that in Russia or Iran, this is this is their state sport. This is their country's sport. And there's so much pride, but they also have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Alexander Karelin, who's been on this very program, has such a tremendous amount of respect for his counterparts around the world that he wrestled with. I mean, even uh, <laughs> Ruland Gardner, you know, he had a tremendous amount of respect for for Alexander Karelin. But I think it's a two-way street. And I believe that you're right. The politics needs to stay out of it. And we need to continue to fight the good fight. We're talking with Sam Barber. He's the head coach of the Air Force Academy, the Mighty Falcons out there doing it right. Is it a difficult balance, Sam? Your your athletes are so invested in their academics, and they must be. And it's a, it's a tough road for anybody. But to be a part of that culture, is it difficult to be a coach in that environment? Oh, gee, Sam, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever say it was difficult. You're right. Like, I've never... Never, you know, if I if I say that, then I'm probably not the right guy for the job, but, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, we have, it's we just look a little, we look different, and uh, and they'll that one of the reasons I want to be at the Air Force Academy and I love coaching here is because of that difference, right? I, um, so. I love I love being part of the mission of the Air Force Academy. What we do, I love working with guys that are you know pursuing excellence in in multiple different areas of their life, not just one area of athletics, right? Mm-hmm. So that part of it for me, it's never that's never felt like a barrier to success. It's just, it's felt like, um, you know, it's been, it's been one of the most positive attributes of being at the Air Force Academy is pursuing excellence with young men that want to do great things on and off the mat. And they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Um, you know, at 18 years old, old, they, they raise their right hand and they take it out to protect the, the constitution in, in our, in our country. So defend the constitution. So that part of it, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it difficult. I mean, it's, Man, every day I walk into the practice room and I get to be around forty really high-performing people yep. doing great things. So that, there's nothing difficult about that. Well, that's what I wanted you to get across because, and I asked the same question to Bruce Burnett when at Navy. You know, he says, "Scott, I'm, I have an embarrassment of riches." I said, "In what regard?" He said, "Everybody has to wrestle at least one semester, and we're able to pull from that, pull from that, some of the greatest athletes ever gifted to the sport." And I thought, what an interesting observation. And Bruce is the ultimate optimist, right? But I believe you are too. And I think that's one of the reasons why Air Force is being so successful is under your tutelage. This is what, your seventh or eighth year? I'm going into my eighth season as the head coach. Been here 15th. You know, I got to work six years under a great, you know, great mentor and Joel Sherrod. Sure. And Joel was at Navy before, right? Right. (laughs) I remember leaving Navy, going out to Air Force. I don't know if it was the mountains or the view. I don't know what it was, but no, Joel is a uh, top drawer in my regards. That's for sure. Top, top drawer. What can we expect from, um, uh, from the team this year? Uh, COVID aside, if, if everything is golden, right? What can we expect yeah. from the Falcons and especially within conference play? Well, we got it. You know, we got a, a lot of guys coming back from our team last year. That was fairly successful. Last year's team, um, you know, we had nine of our 10 starters that were ranked nationally at a certain point of the, the season. And I said, we return, um, seven of those. So, um, we got some pretty good guys, a couple guys shifting weight classes a little bit. So you'll see some guys at a different place, but, um, you know, we had another, some, so I think 
that part of it, you're going to see one of our more experienced teams than we've had in past years. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see some guys that um, had, had some pretty good national success, even in an abbreviated season last year, COVID. But, um, you know, obviously we hope to have Wyatt back and, um, you know, and, and, and his contributions to the team. And Jared Van Vliet will be back, uh, you know, and he was 2-2 two and two at the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, we got a couple other guys that, you know, are just outside of that making the tournament. That uh, will be back. We got a two-time Big 12 medalist in Cody Thippen, um coming back. So we got some pretty good guys. Conference play is pretty tough for us. You, bet. Um, you know, on the schedule this year, we got Missouri, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, um, and Northern Iowa to include um, you know two, a couple other programs that are really growing and doing better too. With Utah Valley, that had two All-Americans. Uh, Wyoming, I think, has seven national qualifiers coming back. Northern Colorado was a top 20 team that we actually beat in the dual meet last year. And then, um, and then North Dakota state, who's pretty good too. So, uh, the big 12 conference, uh, you know, the affiliates and the traditional big 12 members, it's a really, it's a really, really good conference right now. So, you know what I love, Sammy, is it's <laughs> the, op, uh, the, the idea that the guys I was interviewing as athletes, some of them AAU athletes, little kids, right are now becoming head coaches of high schools or becoming head coaches of colleges or like you head coaches of a major academy, a military academy such as air force. But uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate because I get to see the story unfold. I get to tell that story each and every week. And on a personal note, I want to thank you for your leadership. Uh, you know, you've done so much with team USA's youth wrestling program and uh, going around the world, literally on behalf of the sport and the athletes that you serve but the wrestling community is much stronger for you being in it and being a tremendous leader for it. I appreciate you. I well, appreciate you, Scott, and what you do to promote our sport. And, and again, we've known each other quite a long time here and, uh, you know, yeah. my time back in Iowa, I think. So <laughs> yeah. that part of it, I just, uh, you know, I value friendships that we make in this thing and just feel really fortunate to, you know, be part of it. It's fun to run into each other once every four or five months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're like yeah. ships in the night. But Sam, God bless you, you and your family, and tell uh, Danielle and uh, uh, your daughter, Avon, that we said hello, okay? Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. There we go. One of the great guys of our sport, Sam Barber, the head coach of the mighty Air Force Falcons in Colorado Springs. Beautiful campus, some incredible architecture, but more than anything, the hearts that beat inside that institution are pure and true to the flag of which they serve, the flag of the United States of America. You're listening to USA Takedown only on ESPN. Stay tuned. More on the other side. More coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines Sports Leader. Back to the show. It is USA Takedown, coast to coast, border to border, and all those ships at sea on the intranet. By the way, you can go back and listen to the podcast version of this program and, uh, and, and learn from our guests. I mean, we have so many tremendous guests. Sam Barber, the most recent in the last segment, uh, he's the head coach at Air Force Academy. And you think about all that he's done in his career at Upper Iowa, at Augsburg College, uh, the Naval Academy, USA Wrestling, or not Naval Academy, Air Force Academy, uh, Minnesota State, Mankato, and more. Our next guest is no different. He's, uh, re- I think he's been the standard bearer for our sport for longer than he would even know. He's a five-time UFC champion, a graduate of Oklahoma State, 
uh, multilinguist. He's the star of the film series The Expendables, among other films. But most importantly to me, he is a U.S. Army veteran that continues to give back. Randy Couture is our next guest. Randy, good morning. How are you, bud? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You you do do. <laughs> you are able to do so much for um, your fellow veterans, and it doesn't stop. It just continues to go on from your poker runs and poker tournaments and uh, the way you raise money, and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you give that money to families. But you've also joined the Pro Fighters League of MMA uh, in, in force with Force Blue out of South Florida. Tell us what Force Blue is. Force Blue is a, is a veteran organization. They're, they're all former Navy SEALs who are using their skills in the water to go out and try and preserve uh, our reefs. They've been everywhere from the Great Barrier Reef in, in uh, Australia to right here in South Florida. Uh, I went out uh, last Friday and, and went diving with a bunch of those guys, explored uh, one of the reefs that they're keeping an eye on and have done some transplanting of the stags, staghorn coral. Um, many of those corals that they planted 16 years ago now are of mature age to start spawning. Really? And so they're monitoring those and, and identifying the ones that are mature and they're, they, they went out this week after we pinned a bunch of them last week at night for a night dive to uh, capture some of the spawn that continue to grow and transplant these corals to save a bunch of our reefs. I don't think a lot of people realize how much oxygen the coral reefs put into our atmosphere. And obviously oxygen is pretty important to us. <laughs> well, humans, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> a really cool organization. And as much as I feel like we're saving reefs and doing proper things for the planet. And these guys are using the skills they developed in the military. This new purpose is saving a lot of those guys too. Sure. They walked away from that uniform and that identity and gives them a new way to be of service and a new way to, uh, to have a purpose that is meaningful. And, uh, so it's really a two sided coin, really cool operation, a bunch of great guys. They're working with the university of Miami and the, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Frost Foundation. Those three organizations, Force Blue, the Frost Foundation, and the University of Miami are monitoring and, and working on restoring these reefs in the Miami area. So pretty cool. It's an opportunity for veterans to continue to give, be responsible to that which they are a part of, and that is the shared experience of being in part of the human condition. But um, RC, the... The great thing is, you know, through the various things, the Extreme Couture GI Foundation and all that you've done, it's just a, you're a positive example for others. You're using your fame and some of your fortune to continue to give back. Um, I got to believe at some point it's it's uh, very rewarding. Absolutely. Um, you know, from, from everything from being at a motorcycle poker run and having some of our Vietnam veterans come, and volunteer and just be excited to be out there and be appreciated um, to, to getting to go to Washington, D.C. and sit down with families that are in transition, that, that their loved ones have been injured in combat, and, and give them a financial boost and take some of the pressure off of them while they're in that transitional process. Mm. So 
Uh, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Sometimes it's <laughs> tough to to not get choked up, and and you know, even talking about it sometimes stabs me right in the heart. But right. uh, that's certainly where all this comes from. It's, it's a, it was an important time in my life wearing that uniform for six years at the age of nineteen, and uh, I, I look at the world in a particular way because of that experience. I got to believe, and and you know, there are so many layers to you. And I've enjoyed our friendship because I get to peel back those layers and, and find out who is really Randy Couture. And it's not a, it's not an easy task. Uh, you, you, you don't speak of yourself easily. In other words, you don't brag on your accomplishments. They obviously stand for themselves, but you know, transitioning from uh, wrestling to fighting in the early days of the UFC, where you could fight two, three times a night in a tent, uh, but you, you know, you were with some guys that literally, uh, set the stage for those guys that are making millions now, like, um, you know, uh, any of the, any of the top level fighters, they're making bank and now they actually know what to do with it. You know, so many of the old, <laughs> old fighters are, are broke down and broke. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing though, because you're doing it the right way. Our guest, Randy Couture, uh, five time UFC champion. He's on the live line today, uh, brought to you in part by our friends at Defense Soap. Uh, he's returning to his military roots. I don't believe he's ever left his military roots. Would you say that's true, R.C.? Uh, in one way or another, I've, I've been involved either through the Army Wrestling Program and the friends and guys that I served with that are still involved with, with our, all Army Wrestling. Um, you know, the foundation started in 06, 07, uh, with some experiences with some of our troops that were on the ground, you know, in the, in battle zone, fighting the war on terror. Um, uh, in one way, shape, or form, between seminars at, at our combative centers from Alaska all the way to Georgia, uh, I, I've been involved in. It, it's been one of the great pleasures and, and one of the perks of, right. of being involved in this public life that started in 1997 for me. Well, you you make the uniform look good, even when in modified version, you know, you deal with affliction or whatever gear you're wearing, you make it look good. And we're proud to have you as a, as a member of the United States Armed Forces, now retired, of course. But um, I have to ask you, and I would be, I think, irresponsible of me not to, but what's happened in Afghanistan over the last uh, 48 hours, uh, 72 hours? What are your thoughts? We lost some very, very important people in that short period of time. Yeah, uh, a lot of important people, a lot of equipment and weapons. I mean, it was just a, a botched withdrawal plan from the start and an indication of where we're at with this administration, honestly. It's it's very frustrating that several uh, veterans meetings and, and uh, Zoom meetings with our veterans that, that we work with on a regular basis to give them a place to vent because many guys are frustrated. So many guys lost friends in, in that theater of operation. So many guys were maimed and, and injured and wounded themselves over the last 20 years. And all for what? It feels like all for nothing. It it harkens back to you know, to fleeing Saigon right. at the end of the Vietnam War. And, and a lot of these, you know, just starts to clear, but a lot of these guys, they're very frustrated. Uh, they feel like they've, they've literally put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that operation and helping elevate the living conditions for the Afghan people and all for not now. It's all literally 
cranked back 20 years and they're losing their rights. They're losing their lives, you know, right down the line. So it, it's pretty frustrating. I, I believe at one time you'd been in Afghanistan, correct? I've been to Iraq. I, I, Iraq. I was, I had a couple of opportunities to go to Afghanistan and, and visit our, our guys over there. Uh, and then just couldn't fit it in, unfortunately. I was fortunate enough to be able to go with Kevin Randleman, Hermes Franca, Tom Jones, Tony Sheena, and I, and my agent, um, Reed Wallace. <laughs> you remember White Chocolate Management? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> there's a reason why Reed is now living in Mexico. Anyway, um, <laughs> I remember going over there and, and realizing that what we're seeing on TV is not the heart of the people of that country. When we went into Iraq, when we were fobbing out, uh, you know, there is a lot of very good people over there. And all we see on the national news is the evil people. And we assume that that's because all we see, we never get to see the good side. But um, being in theater with the USO, uh, being shot at, you know, I, I can't say that was a cool experience, but I've done it. Um, and being in those Blackhawks, stepping out of a perfectly good helicopter into what looks like just a puddle of water, getting soaked up to your knees. I don't know why they landed where they did. I think that was Solder City. But I have an opportunity at, at that level to be able to meet the local folks and be able to understand what they are going through. Uh, war is not a, a, a fun thing to be a part of for anybody, anybody. And the uh, couture story of your own uh, would lead us to believe that uh, there is some hope. And for the PFL divers and Force Blue and everybody else, there is some more hope. You're bringing some celebrity to it. Talk to us a little bit about the Pro Fighters League. The I think you're going through the World Championships in October at the Hard Rock, Seminole Hard Rock in uh, Hollywood, Florida. I've announced there, great facility, great shopping too. Absolutely. Uh, the Professional Fighters League is the only organization in mixed martial arts to use a true sports for, uh, format. We have uh, a regular season where our six weight classes and 12 athletes in each of those weight classes fight twice in the regular season. The top criteria point getters from those two fights, uh, the top four move on to this, to the playoffs. We're, we're getting ready for our third playoff fights this evening. That's the last, the last two weight classes, the light heavyweights and, and the featherweights will fight tonight for those two spots and those two weight classes in the championship. Each season, uh, we crown a new champion in each weight class and they've stepped up big time and, and put a million dollar purse for each champion in each weight class every season. Wait a minute. So that's six million time. bucks, right? Six million dollars. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. Uh, it's definitely got the attention of a lot of athletes that, that are interested in, you know, applying their wares and being a professional athlete and, and, and making that kind of money. That's life-changing money. So um, I've really enjoyed the format. Yeah. You know, when I first read it on paper, I was like, ooh, these guys are going <laughs> to turn around and fight every six weeks. Uh, that I mean, that's, you know, if I was 25 again, right. I think I would have been all over that. But uh Obviously, I'm not 25, right? <laughs> and uh, you know that was the question. You know, it's a rough sport, but you got to manage your training. You know, manage your energy. A lot of the guys love the activity. They know when their next fight is. Right. That's, that's the biggest issue in MMA, especially now with so many promotions and so many fights going on almost every weekend. There's a lot of fighters, and and you know you're 
not sure when you're going to get that next contract for that next fight. So the regularity of the PFL really appeals to a lot of these guys. You know, we've had guys from Fabricio Verdum, Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald, a lot of big name guys come to the PFL now. And it's been a blast to watch, a blast to, to commentate these fights and highlight the intricacies and technicality in the sport. From the PFL, we're seeing so many new things uh, and doing it the right way, by the way. Great leadership with the PFL. And uh, Lauren, I think, is outstanding, but there's even more people that make up, the, like Murray, for example. Uh, there's really good people, and many of them with military backgrounds, by the way, so it's not just you. But as part of that announced team, uh, I think there's a whole lot more latitude, and we're seeing some excellent female fighters as well, right? Absolutely, and obviously Kayla Harrison uh, is our returning champ from 2019 season, um, two-time gold medalist in, in judo, arguably the best judoka the United States of America has ever ever put on the mat. Amen. And she's made an amazing transition to uh, mixed martial arts, has been very, very dominant. She's 11-0 and now in, in her mixed martial arts career, and frankly, it's it's getting difficult to find competition. The kids stand up to her. She's uh, pretty impressive. I've, I watched the, uh, her. I watched impressive her. person as well. Do you remember when we did a wrestling event and a judo event combined in Vegas? I don't know if you were probably on a film site at the time, but um, it was me and Gable on the call, and sitting behind me was Ashton uh, Kutcher and his little buddy that didn't understand either the, either of the sports and was highly critical. And during a commercial break, I turned around and said, would you please just shut up? <laughs> Gable said thank you <laughs> but anyway our guest Randy Couture uh, just doing an outstanding job uh, in representing the efforts of the United States military uh, both those that are active and those that are retired uh, they go through so much and nobody understands it better than Randy Couture Randy what's next for you in terms of film uh, just got my contract and, and the new script for Expendables 4 I'm scheduled to leave October 1st for uh, for Europe to start filming that, you know, working with production to try and find a few days off from filming the movie to come back to the states and do the finale here at, uh, at in Hollywood, Florida, at the Seminole Hard Rock for for the PFL on the 27th of October. So, you know, I, I guess those are good problems to have right. those kinds of conflicts. <laughs> But it will work it out for well, sure. Well, you you have such a incredible relationship with Sylvester Stallone. Are you getting any writing crypt as uh, points on this? Writing points? No. This, this he didn't write this one either. But uh, you know, he wrote the first one right. and, and directed the first one. Plus, was in front of the camera. I, I don't know how it was standing after that <laughs> that twelve weeks. It was a lot of work, and I think subsequently why we saw him kind of take a, a little step back, not directing, not writing the the second and the third one, because it was just a ton of, of labor-intensive work. Um, you know, my take on that very, first very film... smart guy. He, what's that? I said my take on that first film, it was well done, and that's what gave the impetus for two and three. But now in four, my biggest concern about the film is they're not going to kill you off, are they? <laughs> so far... Uh, wow, and I just read the script, the new <laughs> script, and and, uh, and Toll Road survives. So oh, thank God. That, that's okay. good news. <laughs> I tell you, you do an outstanding job, and your acting 
uh, abilities just get better and better and better. You are a student of it, and it shows. How's Mindy doing? Mindy's doing great. Yeah, she's uh, she's out poking the world and and uh, trying to raise awareness <laughs> about all the craziness that's going on in in both uh, the political realm and and our society right now. Uh, but she's doing very very well. You um and she finish your annual Airstream. Is it Airstream? What yes. Is, yeah, that beautiful trailers, by the way. But you just finished your annual trip. How was it? It was amazing. We, we did uh, 10 states in 22 days, everywhere from, from uh, you know, the ranch in Arizona through Moab, Steamboat Springs, up into uh, Beartooth Pass in, in Wyoming, Montana border, hit Glacier National Park, and then on through around Lake Coeur d'Alene and off to the Redwoods, uh, Bristlecone Pines in the Sierra Nevadas. We had an amazing, overwhelming trip. Uh, I mean, just when you stop and think it's not going to get any better the next place, like, holy cow. (laughs) Mysteries that you uncover in the great states of these United States. Randy Couture has been our guest. We love you, brother. You know that. And uh, by the way, thank you for sharing your music tastes. I just saw the Doobie Brothers live with Michael McDonald, and it took me back a few years to my early days in radio as a DJ. But uh, man, oh man, that group still got it going on. So if you get a yeah, chance, absolutely, I <laughs> still got the pipes. Yeah, <laughs> it was a wonderful outdoor show. I loved it. Anyway, God bless you, Randy. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us about uh, Blue, uh, Force Blue and the PFL. Continued success in that area, and you continue to give back. And again, we thank you for that. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. You bet. One of the best of the very best people I know, Randy Couture. Tell you what, we do have to take a quick time out. This portion brought to you by our friends at Mullet's Restaurant on First, down by, uh, that's downtown Des Moines, by the ballpark, the Chow Hall for wrestlers and fans, and by Five Talents Financial Management Group, and by Here.com. That's Here.com forward slash Casper. Stay tuned. More on the other side. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, We use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. It's the west end of the southeast street, First Avenue Bridge. I don't know. <laughs> he says it great. Danny Bishop, God bless you. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Casper and Jones on this Friday we're talking wrestling. We're talking uh, fighting with Randy Couture. What a great guest. You didn't know who that was, did you? You didn't know when you saw it on the script, five-time UFC champion well, and a I, film star. I knew about the fighting stuff yeah. because you mentioned it on the show before. But no, I had no idea he was in The Expendables. I, I had no him. idea he was in... <laughs> movies no clue when we're in the same place with uh, guys like david maricatani uh maybe dan henderson we love to hang out and i love just sitting back and watching and listening to these guys they are uh tremendous assets to our sport and we appreciate it so if you missed the randy couture interview please go back and listen to it at usatakedown.com it's under the uh, uh podcast tab and it will drop down, and you'll be able to listen to it free of charge, courtesy of our great sponsors like Wild Rose Casinos. Next up, uh, by the way, we had on earlier in the program uh, an athlete from this collegiate effort, and we're talking about Corbin Mink. Now we're going to go to the head coach of that uh, particular program, the Campbell Camels. 
Uh, I'm sure he's up for a Cami Award himself, but Scotty Sentes joins us. Scotty, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm going. It's going well. How are you doing? Good. I, I want to start by thanking you for the opportunity to interview one-on-one with Corbin. What a fine young man. Yeah, Corbin. Corbin's great. Uh, All-around class, and uh, we're happy to have him. Mm. And, uh, the, you know, it's sad for me, probably sad for you, too, that we only get him for one more year before he turns his attention to, uh, you know, taking out cyber bullies uh, or, or whatever you call hackers. <laughs> As you know, with uh, what are they, what what kind of security is that? Cyber security. Cyber security. That's it. Okay, but um, a very uh, very likable kid, and uh, seemingly with his feet on the ground, and that's the kind of kid that you're attracting at Campbell. Talk to us about that effort because it doesn't just happen by accident. Yeah, I mean, we really are careful with the kids we bring in. Uh, we do our we do our jobs. We do our, our background checks. You know, we we call the coaches. We call the the rival coaches, and and really, what we what we look more at is is just hard nosed kids that that care a lot about school and wrestling. And uh, you know, we're we're not too caught up on rankings. You know, th- those are nice, but the more important thing is getting a kid that wants to work, a kid that really wants to be great. And uh, you know, if you're you're concerned with school and wrestling at Campbell, we can develop you. And uh, so we've gotten a lot of guys that maybe got, got overlooked by some of the big schools, but that we knew we're going to put in the time and put in the work. And, and Corbin's, uh, you know, one of those kinds of, kinds of kids. I mean, he was a big Nebraska fan and Nebraska didn't really look at him. And, and we saw him, we knew how talented he was. He was a little bit of uh, the, the anti-hero. He's a little bit the villain of, of you know, of the state. And uh, we got a hold of him, and, and he's just been working since, and, and he's jumped levels, and he had some, some, some really quality wins. And so, you know, we just try to, you know, fill our program with the right guys. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that so far. You know, in, in our conversation, I asked why Campbell. And uh, he said because Campbell was true and genuine, and I'm paraphrasing, but true and genuine in their desire to have him go to Campbell. And it started with Colat, and of course, uh, uh, with you. I mean, you're a top drawer guy, anyway. But this is the kind of kid that can only seed and and plant the uh, future uh, wrestlers uh, firmly with Campbell in mind. I mean, the, the, Campbell has become a destination point. And if you've never been to Boys Creek, North Carolina, let me tell you something. It is a beautiful part of our country. You heard Couture talking a little bit about the the 22 day airstream adventure that he and Mindy went on. But it's 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 parts of our country that we don't often get to see unless we are intended as guests. And Boys Creek, North Carolina, is a beautiful place. Once you get him on campus, is that a page turner? Yeah, I mean you got to get him here. I, I would say we're a school that that undersells and overdelivers. Uh, you know, every time we we show somebody campus, they're very surprised at the size of it. Um, they're, they're very surprised at the quality of our facilities. And, uh, and, and really it's just one of those places you, you can talk about it all you want and show photos, but once you're here, uh, it has that wow effect. Mm-hmm. You know, we have two recruits now and the first thing they always say is, wow, it's, it's better than I expected. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a good selling point. It's, it's a really great school once you get here. And plus it's a cool Nick, right? Camels. I love that. Yeah. And the camel. There's actually a few camels. I was surprised. I'd put really? it out there. I didn't think there was any. And there's, uh. There's one or two, you know, small colleges that have camels. I thought we were the only ones, but that's not the case. <laughs> I don't know. Where does it come from? What's the history of Campbell having a camel as a mascot? Yeah, so 
so so there was a fire in the the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it burnt down a lot of the school. And and so nobody really knows why we're the camels. There's a couple, uh, you know, tales about it. One sure. being that uh, during the fire, there was a bunch of students out here with the uh, president at the time, and and they were having buckets of water. They were passing along and putting on the buildings. He said, "Get your hump on." And another <laughs> one is you know, they misspelled. They misspelled Campbell in the newspaper and said camels, and it kind of stuck. But we used to be the Hornets, and at somewhere along the line, nobody knows exactly why, we switched to the camels. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things nobody really knows. It's just, there's, there's just a bunch of legends to it. I love that. I'm I, just impressed he had an answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's part of being the head coach. Asked, get an <laughs> if he doesn't know, who the hell will? Yeah. <laughs> Scotty said that's our guest. Uh, he's not just the head coach of the Campbell Camels. He is the, uh, fearless leader. You know, you had some outstanding, uh, freshmen in, uh, as a matter of fact, 2021 Southern Conference, all freshman team honorees, including Gabriel Hixenbaugh. Talk to us about your 33 pounder. Yeah. Gabe is, uh, you know, the four time Alabama state champ, uh, same school as Sam Latona. So they, they built a really great program there in Alabama. Uh, you know, hardworking kid, uh, you know, short, stocky, uh, a little bit grindy. Um, you know, he's, you know, takes care of business in the classroom. So he, he's a tough kid to look out for in the future. He's just a, a, a sophomore. This was just his second year. So um, we expect him to, to keep turning the turning the corner. And, and uh, I feel like right now we got a lot of depth. So we finally got some guys that can help push him and, and uh, you know, help him jump levels. Do most guys like Gabe coming into a program, going on to a campus and, you know, attending school, when they get there, for, for me, it, wa- it wasn't clear. I already had a degree in broadcasting uh, when I went to then the University of Iowa after the broadcasting. The, the thing was, I didn't know what I was going to school for, okay? Mm-hmm. I thought you just went to college and something would appear. But apparently, I, I didn't know what it was called, but it was called PR, right? And do, do kids that, that um, you recruit, is it easy for them to tell you what their major is going to be? Uh, it's hit and miss. I mean, you talk to kids, and, and they really know what they want to do, and you bring them here, and you, you try to share a little bit about every program. We walk through each and every one of the buildings, and, and even if they know exactly what they want to do, uh, we do that anyways because a lot of times it'll change or something sounds more interesting or they didn't know something existed, just like you said. Um, but the, the best thing about Campbell is year one, they, they, they really try to give you some experience in, in the major you're choosing or the major you're hoping to choose, and you get an idea and a sense of, is this something that's for me? And so we'll have guys after the first year maybe make a, a, a sidestep somewhere else or maybe change of direction and, and they're their careers or their, their majors, but um, it, it's a mix. Some guys know exactly what they're going to do and, and it changes. Some guys stick with it. Some guys have no idea and we just have them uh, come here and, and do our best to educate them on each and everything that, that we offer. You know, <laughs> I went to broadcasting school with the idea of going to New York city, Chicago, LA, Dallas, whatever big city wanted me to be a star at. Right. But radio was then changing. Even as I was going in, and taking the various jobs that were offered and experiencing what I did. What I didn't do my homework on was the amount of money not being paid to DJs and people in the radio industry. I finally figured it out, but uh, thank God I did, because I I love being on radio. 
But well, you got the voice. I think anyone that you. hears you, they probably talk to you and they knew right away this is a, this is a beautiful voice. Got to get this guy on. Maybe maybe you can become an announcer too at, at some baseball games. You never know. You never know. I you know I did 16 years baseball with the Cubs, but um, I'll, I'll never forget those those games. But man, when you go into rain delays, you don't get any extra money. No, you should get it'd be like combat pay. You should get that, but you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I was a master at doing that. Uh, Hicksonbaugh is a grinder, as you uh, uh, typified him, at 133 pounds. Talk to me about Levi Hopkins at 97. Oh, Levi is uh, is all around uh, Jim. I mean, so so he's the the younger but bigger brother uh, to Caleb Hopkins. Caleb, uh, you know, he was a top 15 seed at the NCAA tournament, right. SoCon champ for us. Kind of came out of nowhere from Alaska. So Levi is his younger brother, but you know, obviously bigger in size. Uh, 4.0 GPA, uh, very intelligent, um, and you know he's right there with 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 Chris Tober, who's one of our returning veterans, SoCon champs, and uh, and really Levi is is a little bit different. He's a little more dynamic, um, you know, pretty technical, um, and uh, you know I expect a lot of big things from him. You know, he beat the, the the number two seed for the SoCon tournament, but we ended up giving you know Chris Tober, our our upperclassman, the green light, and uh, you know he got the job done, but. Uh, Levi, somebody we really look to 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 kind of become a leader of this program as he as he ages a little bit, and uh, you know he just is the 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 first guy here, last one out of the room. You know him and his whole family are are like that. You know they're fishermen, Alaskan fishermen. You know I think they they net in over you know two hundred thousand pounds of salmon this summer and, and each <laughs> summer. So you know they're workers, they're workers and they're grinders, and and they won't stop at anything to to reach their goals. Two hundred thousand pounds. Of Alaskan salmon. Yeah. Not, I don't know if yeah. you've ever had Alaskan salmon. Okay. There's a, 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 goodness sakes, her name is escaping, but she's on the um, Alaska, the Final Frontier movie. She's a former wrestler, Team USA. Um, and name is escaping me right now. But to say thank you for being on the show, she went out the back door, walked about 10 feet, threw a line in the water, pulled out a beautiful salmon. Her husband... Uh, smoked it. They put it in a blister pack. Sent it U.S. mail to my office in Beaverdale. That was some good eating. My my producer at the time, Brad Johnson, had never tasted a smoked salmon. Let me tell you something. What a treat and what a gift. That was just one of my favorite things. I just absolutely loved that. And uh, how do you know when to go to Alaska to recruit? Honestly, you know, when I first got here, we we're throwing out a big net. So one of the things Kerry uh, wanted to do was create an army. So he, he really wanted to create some depth. And at that time, we didn't have a lot of blue chip recruits. And so right. what we were trying to do is, is just win the game with numbers. And so I was reaching out everywhere, uh, just throwing out a wide net. And Caleb Hopkins responded back. And I started going back and watching his film. And I say, there's something there with this kid. Yeah. Uh, He's tough. He's losing matches just because he doesn't know what he's know what he's doing, and but he's going and he's not stopping and he's figuring out ways to win and he's right there with some of the best guys and and so we you, you know we asked him come on out fly yourself here uh, see what you think and he flew himself here and getting to know him you could tell he was he was he had a mature brain yeah he was uh and and he was very uh you know, very specific of what he wanted to do and how he was going to get there and what his wrestling goals were and his academic goals. And, and, uh, you know, there was something unique about him. 
and something that stood out. And, and so we, we really got lucky with him. And when he got here, he, he performed much better than we thought. He sat behind Andrew Morgan for a year and just learned the ropes. Uh, having a guy like Andrew Morgan in front of you, 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 you know, you have somebody, you know, Morgan took him under his wing a little bit. So, you know, he made some, some really big jumps. When he finally got the, the green light, when Morgan moved on, he was ready to rock and roll. About two minutes left in the segment. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Justin Rivera. Oh, Justin's a stud. Yeah, both the Rivera twins. Um, Chris and Justin. Yep, yep. Chris and Justin. Uh, one's going 141 this year. One's going 49. Uh, super talented kids. Great kids. I mean, you 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 can't hear. You would never probably hear a bad word about them. You know, they wrestled for my brother <laughs> in high school, and they moved on to Lake Highland Prep. And you know, they were top prospects out of high school. And uh, you know, they're ready to rock and roll. I mean, they uh, they're just great kids. You know, great Christians and and workers and technicians and you know i go to bed at night knowing knowing i have some some great kids in the room like the rivera twins and they go to bed knowing that they've got a great head coach in you thank you so much scotty for being that guy best to your brother we haven't talked about him in quite some time tell him we said hi all right we'll do i appreciate you having me on scotty sent us head coach of the campbell camels yeah Learned something today, Kara, that, that there is more than one place that has camels as their mascot. Yeah. Huh? Did you? Uh, who knew? Who knew? No one. All right. Next week on the show in the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline, our guests include Jason Borelli, Scotty Moore, Miles Amin, and Michael Kemmerer. Are you kidding me? That's next week on the show. Um, this very program, by the way, if you missed it, go back, usatakedown.com, hit the podcast tab. It'll drop down giving you the dates and shows okay uh we enjoyed a conversation early on with neil erisman out of um, little rock great guy former cowboy outstanding uh coach and uh, only getting better each and every day uh we had braxton amos scheduled but braxton amos uh because he just got back you know acclimating into school campus life and all that uh I, you know, he's an outstanding athlete, but he wants to be a really good student as well. Don't blame him at all. But we have him booked for September 24th. It'll be a pleasure to talk to this um, uh, world uh, gold medalist in freestyle and bronze in, in uh, Greco. Corbin Mink, uh, one of Scotty Sentes' kids out there at uh, Campbell. We talked to Sam Barber, the head coach of the Air Force Academy, a guy that's been all around the sport of wrestling for so long. And our pleasure to have Randy Couture rejoin us on the show. As we move from uh, FOX to ESPN, Randy was uh, very quick to say yes, as we asked him and many you know, high-profile guys to be on that very first show. And um, you know, that was a great way to kick off the program, and it seems like it's only been a year that he was on the show. <laughs> and it's only been a year. And then, of course, we had the great conversation with Scotty Sentes. We appreciate the opportunity presented to us each and every week to join you on radio to talk about the sports that we love, wrestling, mixed martial arts, and boxing. For Kara Jones, I'm Scott Casper. This has been USA Takedown on ESPN.